another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream and you Hi can folks, holler. this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast Today is Thursday, October 30th And this is episode 83 83, I believe. Uh, you'll have to forgive me for not knowing what episode of my own show I'm doing. Uh, I just got back from a two-day trip to Atlanta, and I'm a little bit still discombobulated from that travel. It was a long trip. It was a productive trip, but it was a long one. And uh, that's why there wasn't a show yesterday. And some of you may have noticed something else yesterday. You may have noticed that if you went to the site uh, around 1 p.m. Central Time or later, that you didn't get the site. You got a, at the survivalpodcast.com, you got a message that said, uh, site owner's bandwidth exceeded. And quite a few people freaked out and emailed me, and uh, trust me, if I would have been around, I would have known as quickly as any of you had. But, of course, these things, uh, according to Murphy's Laws, will always happen when they are the worst time for them to occur. So, while I was... Uh, finishing up meetings and trying to run to get standby on a plane to get out of Atlanta before uh, 10 o'clock at night, which I managed to do, uh, this uh, the site was down. Now, why was this site down? Because you guys rock. Um, this month, I made a decision, and I purchased a separate server for uh, all the audio files, for the actual part that you listen to, like you're hearing right now. And I started publishing all my shows onto that new server. And one of the things that I did uh, when I did that was I started publishing higher quality shows. Uh, you might have noticed your downloads are taking about twice as long now because I'm doing a higher uh, higher quality final product when I put it out. And that's part of why you've heard the quality improve. I actually did that for about a week before I made the, the choice. So like the last week on the old server, um, the, there were better files there. Well, when I started the new server, <coughs> I didn't move all the old files to the new server. I left them where they were because they're embedded in posts and they have links. So there's a lot of people that are finding the show that are going back and downloading all the old shows. And that's okay. Go ahead. Keep doing it. It's, it's fine. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you didn't do it until November 1st uh, because I've got a... I've just kind of put, well actually I think it would, I don't think you guys could break it again. I, I just threw an extra 50 gig of bandwidth on the old server uh, just to get us by and I think going forward it'll be less of a problem because most of the burden on my server is from shows as they come out. People tend to listen at least weekly if not every day. So that problem should not raise its head again. The new server that I have has unlimited bandwidth uh, with, the, with the package that I've purchased and unlimited storage. Uh, we're going to test that. Uh, but that's why the site was down. It shouldn't happen again. Uh, but if you want to know why it's down, it's because uh, I guess 1,400 people listened to the show on Wednesday. And uh, that was just by feed burners, or, or, or on Tuesday, that was just by feed burner stats. And uh, I really kind of figured out from my analytics that that number is about double when you count everybody that goes there and, and listens to the show under any way, shape, or form. So, you know, we're looking at maybe 2,800 to 3,000 people uh, pulling down uh, files uh, of, from, you know, uh, 10 meg to 20 meg uh, a day. 
uh, just for the new shows. And that's that's what crushed the server and exceeded my monthly allocation from my host. So, again, that problem should be gone. And, uh, you know, don't look at it really as a bad thing. At least there wasn't a new show out yesterday because uh, I did miss doing a show yesterday. Sorry about you guys who couldn't get in the forum. Everything's back to normal now. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it from here on out, and hopefully we can avoid that. But what can I say? That I just never expected to be where we are today uh, five months ago when I set the site up on the server that it's on. I, it was just a lark, and I had no idea we would turn it into what we've turned it into. So that's really cool. Uh, today's show topic is actually going to be about predictions. Somebody in the forum posted a predictions thread, and then a guy named 19 Kilo came up with a predictions. And, you know, I was kind of tired last night when I got in, and I really didn't feel like putting together a show outline. And then the, the site was down, and I had to go through all the, 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 the crap of getting a hold of that web post after hours and tracking somebody down there that could help me and sell me some bandwidth to get through the month. And got that done, and then I really didn't feel like it, but I at least poked around the forum, and I found these eight predictions. I said, hey, man, 19 kilo rocks. He just gave me the outline for my uh, Thursday show. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through these eight predictions. And they they all kind of hinge on the economy and the election going forward. I thought that would be a great topic since we are only five days away from the election right now. Before I go into these, though, I want to talk a little bit about perspective. Somebody else on my show on gardening from Monday, which was Winter is for Gardening Part 1, you know, took exception with what I opened that show with, which was also political in nature. And that was kind of a hack job that Fox News did on Barack Obama. And then an actual tape of Barack Obama saying things like, the Constitution is a document of negative liberties. Uh, mostly because it says what the state and federal governments can't do to you, but does not say what they can do, they should do or they should be required to do for you on your behalf. All right? And that one of the great tragedies of the Civil Rights Movement is that we didn't better address the redistribution of wealth. All right, And what this guy said is, you know, I kind of fell into the same trap that I, I, I caught uh, Fox News with because Obama's comments on that interview were taken out of context. Now, I, I don't want to offend this guy, and I don't want to be a jerk to you, and I'm not being a jerk to you, but let me just put it to you this way. And this is more about Obama than, than, than you bringing it up. When you say that we need better redistribution of wealth in my country, I do not care what you've said before or after it. It is not what the foundation of the American society, the American government, the American constitution, and frankly our Declaration of Independence, where we kicked out the country that still technically owns the country you live in a long time ago, i.e. Great Britain. All right. I'm sorry. If you want that in your part of the world, God bless you and your, your people have chosen. This guy's from New Zealand, a socialist country. All right. A very benign socialist country. I have no problem with, with New Zealand. They don't cause any problems in the world. They don't try to force their will on other people. And I think in that regard, they do a better job of being a global citizen than we do. But I do not want to run my economy and I do not want to run my government the way that they do. And that brings me to my next piece of this individual's objection. What he said is that both of our candidates are right-wing, in his opinion. The entire media in the United States is right-wing, in his opinion. And that Fox News is the most right-wing media outlet in the world. Okay, first of all, my media outlet, although a lot smaller, is more right-wing in some areas than Fox News. All right, so that statement's just just wrong. Uh, Definitely, if you listen to somebody like Rush Limbaugh uh, and do his show every day, he individually is more right-wing than Fox News. Fox News brings in left 
leaning people all the time all the time, to talk about their side of the issue, no matter how ridiculous their point of view, it it seems to even mainstream America, not conservative America. So, no, Fox News is not the most right-wing of all media outlets. It's asinine. I'm sorry, it is. How about the Alex Jones show? You want to go right-wing, freak-out, side, conspiracy, tinfoil hat-wearing, eccentric, conservative nut job? Over there. Go on. There it is. All right. So, no, it's not. Okay, fine. We'll let that go. My point, though, here is really more along the lines is that what you, this guy was really saying, and he's right about, he just doesn't, I don't think, get how it plays out, is that our country's right. Of his country. Well, our country is supposed to be a democratic republic founded on the principles of a free, open, capitalist society. That is the foundation of our nation. That's what our nation was supposed to be from its very birth and is supposed to still be up to this day. And at least some of the vestiges of what was given birth to are still around. And there's people like me and people like the majority of the people that listen to this show that want it to go back to what it was. At least from an economic and from a governmental standpoint. We want states to have rights and more sovereignty than they do. We want the federal government doing less. We want less government and less intrusion into our lives. If you are in New Zealand or the United Kingdom or in France, and I don't mean to offend you, but if you're there, then that is right wing. Okay? And you don't look at yourself as left. You look at yourself as moderate. You look at yourself as center. And you say, you want to see left? Look at China. Look at the former Soviet Union. Look at what Russia's turning into today. That's left. The U.S. is right. And we're center. Okay? Because it's your perception. All right? Let me put it to you another way. Is New York City north or south? Okay? And most people would say, well, it's north. Not if you live in Canada. Is Kansas City north or south? Is Kansas City east or west? Well, Kansas City kind of is in the middle, isn't it, if you're judging it off the east coast and the west coast? But if you're judging it off the prime meridian, where is it now? If you're judging it only from the, the, from the east coast, well, Kansas City's west. If you're judging it from Reno, Nevada, you know what? It's not only east, it's northeast. So all of these perceptions of left and right, liberal and conservative, are all based on the view of the individual from where they sit today. And that most people anywhere in the world do not consider themselves to be left or right of anything. All right, Unless it's, they've been told what center is. All right? If somebody defines for you and convinces you what center is, you say, well, yeah, I'm left at that or I'm right at that. All right? So... As we go through these topics today, I want you to understand that a lot of it is about perception. And these predictions today, I mean. A lot of this is about perception versus reality. And conservative versus liberal is often about, well, what are you? And most of America defines itself as middle of the road, as moderate. So if you're a moderate, then Barney Frank is a flaming liberal. Okay? And for that matter, John McCain is a right-wing nut job. Even though the guy's more moderate than just about anybody in the government. He's about the most center political candidate that we've had. God, I guess going back to, I don't even know, Eisenhower. 
I mean, John McCain is middle of the road as they come. He's trying to please everybody, which is why he's losing. All right, why well, I think he's going to lose the election because he's in the dead center of things. And you know, I'm not a big biblical guy. I don't try to put religion on anybody. In fact, you know, some of you might be shocked at this. I don't even regularly go to church. All right, but I do know the Bible. And there's one statement in the Bible, and I don't even know what book or, or, or verse or whatever, but it is that if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And it's God talking about people. And basically, what it's saying is you need to take a stand for something. If you try to just make everybody happy, it doesn't work out. Not with God and not with people either. Because I believe that most religions teach us about the way people interact. And people don't respect you if they don't know where you stand. And most people don't know where John McCain stands because he's tried to put up a platform that says he just stands for everybody. You can't stand for everybody. When you take up a position for someone... You thereby take up a position against someone else. If you're in the United States, New Zealand looks left of center to you. And if you're in New Zealand, the United States looks right and China looks left. And you appear to yourself to be center. I'm not saying anybody's right or anybody's wrong. I'm talking about perception here. And let's consider that as we go through these eight predictions by 19 Kilo and get my thoughts on them. Prediction one is going to be that Obama wins by a landslide. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised to hear that I pretty much agree with that right now. Uh, I don't think that this country should have a president, Barack Obama, right now. I think Barack Obama is going to be very bad for this country over his four years as president and possibly, believe it or not, over maybe eight years as being our president, depending on what the Republicans do with the beating they're about to be handed. All right. I do not think Barack Obama is going to win by a popular vote landslide. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know this yet, I think everybody does now from the last couple of elections, uh, the guy with the most votes doesn't win in this country for president. The guy who wins the most states' uh, electoral votes wins, and some states have a few electoral votes, like Wyoming has like three, and then bigger states with bigger populations have, have more votes because they have more people. It's like Pennsylvania, I think it's 21. When you look at the polls that they keep showing, and Fox News being somewhat right-leaning, I'll admit that, uh, tries to keep McCain in this race by saying, look, it's the, the, the poll's narrowing, it's narrowing. It's 47-49, it's only two points. The margin of error is four. It's anybody's race. But when you look at the individual states and you go, okay, well, Texas is going to McCain, Arizona's going to McCain, you know, there's certain states that McCain just has. And you look at the states like Illinois, Obama's got Illinois, done, finished, going to happen. And uh, you add those up. You see Obama way ahead. And then you take what are called the battleground states. And some of these battleground states, to me, they look like they're leaning so far at this point, they're not even battleground states anymore. I don't even know why somebody's calling like Pennsylvania, Ohio, etc. And you start looking at the polls for those states, and you see Obama with 8 points, 10 points ahead. Now... Does anybody ever come back from deficits like that? Yep. In fact, John McCain has in the past. John McCain came back from deficits like that to win the nomination for the Republicans. But, again, I think the Republicans are throwing throwing the towel in on this one. I don't think the Republicans want the office of presidency. I don't think we'd have a McCain-Palin ticket right now if what we wanted was to win. 
All right, the, the, the Palin pick on paper was extremely brilliant tactically. I even praised it. But uh, overall, because of the way that Palin, Palin's being handled and the way she's being utilized and, and the things that they're letting her say, frankly, it's, it's really become damaging. It's become damaging to the, to the middle-of-the-road people that you might have swung with that pick. Uh, it's, it's short up the base because she is right-wing. She's strong on Second Amendment. Uh, for people that are worried about gay marriage and abortion and things like that, she's, she's on the right side of those issues, which... If you're part of the traditional uh, conservative, uh, especially evangelical base of the Republican Party, it was something to get excited about. So the people who were going to vote Republican anyway still are. The people who are going to vote Democrat anyway still are. The people that traditionally voted Republican that were just going to stay home now decide, well, we'll show up for John McCain because he picks Sarah Palin. That pretty much leaves the mushy middle alone. The 20% of people that actually decide the elections in this country are left out there. And most of those people will succumb to the better marketing program. The Republicans' marketing program has been complete and utter disastrous failure. We have Republicans running around screaming, Barack Obama hung out with Tony Resco. Barack Obama hung out with Bill Ayers. Barack Obama this, Barack Obama that. He's a socialist. He's All these things are true. And, and the McCain camp has done a terrible job of channeling that message into something productive. They've come out looking like a bunch of bashers that are desperate, and I don't think they want anything else. I think if they wanted to win this thing, that you know, any good Madison Avenue marketing firm could have done a better job for them than what they've done for themselves. Uh, it's just been abysmal, and they're throwing the towel in. So in the end, Barack Obama will win by a landslide of electoral college votes. That's all the press will talk about and the bands will play. And uh, back to my original guy that made all these comments, the other thing he says is that he's been troubled by how the Republicans have been so hateful and fear-mongering and everything. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you this, bud. This I do take exception to you with. All right? When we have people coming out here and saying that Barack Obama hung out with a terrorist, Bill Ayers, it's true. When we have people coming out and saying that Barack Obama is for the redistribution of wealth, and he's on on audio saying that he is, it's true. When we have people saying that Barack Obama's political campaign was initially funded by a guy that's guilty of extortion, all right, and fraud, deep in the Chicago underworld, Tony Resco, that's true. All right. We have people saying that Barack Obama was taught in Muslim schools as a child. That's true. Doesn't make him a Muslim, but that is fact. Well, we have people saying right now that Barack Obama went to a special little party for the former speaker, uh, public speaker for the uh, the PLO in America, while they were a radical terrorist organization, which Bill Ayers attended, and that they were there together, and that the New York Times or not the, the LA Times is sitting on the tape and won't release it. So we can see what actually went on there, that's true. All right? And when we say that Barack Obama was part of a church for over 20 years and sat and listened to a racist preacher preach about hatred of the white man in America by the black man and justify it with both fact and fiction, that is also true. So when you say things that are true, that's not fear-mongering. It's reality. And that's who we're about to elect. And I want America to think about that. And I'm not trying to swing the election because i got 3,000 people that listen to me. It ain't going to swing the election. It ain't going to happen. This guy is going to win by a landslide. But now you need to think about what we've chosen. 
what this nation has chosen and what we're about to have happen. And that's the rest of 19 kilos predictions. Let me go through them with you. And I may not be as pessimistic on some of them as he is, which might be surprising. The next one is that we have another assault weapons ban to look forward to, and it may be more restrictive than Clinton's. Actually, I don't think it'll be more restrictive than Clinton's, not the initial one. I think the first thing that they're going to try to do is they're going to test and see if they can get gun control legislation through the federal process and up to Barack Obama. One thing you have to remember about the assault, well, the original assault weapons ban, and everybody gave Bush a pass on this and just ignored it because they said, well, he's just playing it off. But when the sunset date for the original weapons ban came up, Bush was asked if he would sign it into law. He said, well, if it has the vote, so they sent it to me, I'll sign it. Well, it was a safe thing to say for him at the time because he could appease the people that were saying, oh my God, M-16s, automatic weapons, back in the streets, which is nonsense. That's not allowed today. It was never allowed today. It's not what the assault weapons ban was ever about. All right. He knew that it wouldn't come back up. So we had a president sitting in office with Bush for eight years that would have signed a new law. At least he said he would have if it would have came before him. It never got through Congress and the Senate. Now, Bush has been here for two more years with a democratically controlled House and Senate. And yet, that bill hasn't been put on his desk again. All right? And uh, I don't know, if I were the Congress and the Senate, I would have put it on his desk. I would I would fire Pelosi... Harry Reid, I would have got that thing in front of him and said, you said you'd sign it. Because you know those guys want it done. Well, the problem is that a lot of these Democrats, you know, don't let fear overtake reality here. A lot of these Democrats that picked up seats in the midterm election, these guys are rated A by the NRA. Okay? These guys are not gun control freaks. There's a lot of Democrats out there that are not for gun control. Unfortunately, there's a lot of freaking rhino Republicans out there that are for gun control. And right now, the assault weapons ban is in process. It's been sent to committee for for review. And the four people that sponsored it, those four people are Republican congressmen. They're like from Illinois, Rhode Island, New Jersey, places like that. So I'll, in this podcast, I'll give links. I'll give a link to that bill and who those four people are. And if one of those four pricks work for you, you need to call them up on the phone and tell them what you think about this. But the problem, I think, in getting another assault weapons ban through the Congress and the Senate is there's a lot of people there that are against it. And you have to have more than just a majority to get things done in the Congress. Sometimes you have to have the ability to break a filibuster or to prevent riders. And sometimes it's very hard to do. So, I mean, if I were a, a congressman and uh, had some power and some authority and some pull and we're dealing with this bill, I would just be a jerk. And I would do something like attach a rider to it that says, uh, from now on, uh, the... Uh, I don't know, the 1st of March will be Ronald Reagan Day and recognizes the federal holiday. And that the uh, 1st of April will be George W. Bush Day and recognizes a federal holiday. Now, I'm not actually for either one of those, but I'd like to see some of these left-leaning gun control freaks vote for that bill with that rider on it. They wouldn't do it. I would do whatever I could to kill the bill. I think there's a lot of people in there that will try to kill that type of legislation. Whether they're going to be successful or not, I don't know. But because of that, I think that the safe bet for the 1st shot across the bow of gun-owning uh, Americans is going to be to bring it back exactly as it was. With a sunset date of 10 years. With grandfathering. With every exactly, word for word, verbatim, what it used to be. 
Because then they'll be able to point at it and say, look, we did this before. Everybody still went hunting, right? Everybody still went target shooting. We just took away this ability to go out and buy these high-capacity, high-rate-of-fire weapons. It'll be a soft sell to the people. And a lot of people that voted for it the first time will be told, hey, you kind of got to get on board with this again. You did it before. You don't want to look like a flip-flopper, right? So I think that's what's going to come. And I don't know if they'll get it through or not, but I think that's what they're going to try. I think one of the, the, the cards that the Democrats are betting on that may not be there is a lot of their own party, especially these Southern Democrats that picked up seats in Texas and Arkansas and states like that, they're not going to be on board with this thing. So uh, I don't know if that one's going to happen. It's certainly going to be something that they're going to try to do. The next prediction is a deep recession. Yes and no. This is how I feel about this. We could go into a massive recession, call it a depression for, for reality, because um, a deep recession is a depression. That's that's what a, a you know. What are the lines between recession and depression? Uh, recession happens for quarter, two quarters, three quarters, and then goes away. You know, less than a year or maybe a year. A depression is a recession that doesn't go away. So we could go into that, and we could either be in the beginnings of it right now, and mired deep into it by 2009, and in the depths of it in 2010, or what may happen, and under an Obama presidency has a strong possibility of happening, is a false recovery. A bubble. A big bubble. Maybe the biggest bubble ever seen in the history of global economics. What the Congress and Senate are talking about right now, and Bush seems to be on board with this in his lame duck status, is what only amounts to a massive new uh, civilian uh, uh, conservation corps. Which back during the the, the Great Depression, Roosevelt set up this, this place where men could show up and work. And they built bridges and national parks. They did good things. Uh, it, it may have actually made the depression worse. It may have made it better. If you talk to the people that were part of it, that put to work, uh, that were able to feed their families with it, they'll tell you they were all for it. I just watched a whole review on it. And you can say whatever you want with hindsight, but back then it, it really may have been a big part of what saved America during that time from complete abject poverty. But today is not... 1934. Okay, today is 2008, and the global economy is a lot different. But what they're talking about now is a new stimulus package, which is really based on infrastructure, bridges, roads, things like that, all over America, ramping up construction jobs, engineering jobs like crazy. And of course, when you ramp up any individual sector, Everything attached to it goes up. So if you ramp up engineering, all the companies that support engineering firms get a boost. When you ramp up infrastructure, transportation gets a boost. All right, so that's what's being talked about, and it's a huge, huge amount of money they're talking about spending. Barack Obama would probably take that program, claim it was his as a new president, and make it his own. Another thing that's going to happen is after this election, I believe, again, Obama wins by a landslide. And the press that has been in the tank for this guy since day one, all right. They've been on board with this guy. They've they've made him what he is today because that's what they want. They want this story. And then once it gets done, they're going to tell the story. Hope for America. A new change, a historic event, optimism. 
everybody joining hands together and getting with the plan now because it's what the people have spoken. They're going to talk about it as a mandate. When this thing gets a land, my fear is with this landslide, the press is going to send the message that Congress and the, and the President should do whatever they want because clearly the people want the same thing. Look at the landslide election. Look at how the, the Republicans lost seats in the House and Senate. And this historic victory. And the first African-American president in history with a new vision for America. And let me tell you something. When the press runs that story, the sheeple will believe it. And this dark, gloomy Christmas that we're expecting, because I'm telling you folks, don't blow your money. It's not the time to do it. may turn into a, a good Christmas. Lots of money being spent, at least by the people that still have jobs. At least by the people that still have a stable income of some sort. Because that belief will send consumer confidence up. Because the big problem we have right now, consumer confidence was like 98% last year at this time. Stock market was at an all-time high. Stock market's in the tank right now. Where's consumer confidence? Consumer confidence is at 37% today. So that's going to lead to bad retail numbers. That's going to be lead to bad service industry numbers. All the things that people go out and buy and blow money on, they're going to blow a little less money on. When everybody does a little less, the entire economy falters. Well, if you give them all a story of hope, people look around and realize, hey, gas is cheaper. I actually have more money in my pocket. I didn't lose my job. This doesn't look so bad. Hey, we have hope for America. Look, Obama's going to save us all. We're going to get free health care. Oh, wonderful. They'll start spending. And then the other thing to understand is the inflation bubble that's going to go along with it that's going to make the numbers at the top look good for a while. Because people look at the Dow and they actually think it affects their daily life just because the Dow's up or down. I'm happy, I'm sad. Even if they don't even have that much money in a retirement account, they still think it matters to them. All right? So what we have to realize is that the entire world is trying to prevent the derivatives from exploding that I talked about a week ago. The entire world is trying to prevent this economic meltdown. So it's not just the Federal Reserve that's pumping billions of dollars into the economy. All the central banks of all the industrialized nations in the world... Uh, are pumping money into their economies. Japan's pumping money in. France is pumping money in. Belgium's pumping money in. The UK's pumping money in. All right. Euros are being pumped. Yen are being pumped. Dollars are being pumped. Rupees are being pumped. Pesos are being pumped. The entire world is united in trying to solve this economic problem, and they've all taken the same view. If we just make more money, and we just put it into the system, and we just stabilize the banking system of, of the world, everything will go back to normal, and happy days will be here again. And they may be for a short time. Two years from now, we will either be mired in the greatest depression that the United States has ever seen, or we will be in what will look like one of the greatest economic recoveries in history. By the end of the Barack Obama presidency, it won't look so good. But that's what's going to happen. Now, the problem here is we're having something come in to try to break this up, and that's massive layoffs. Chrysler's laying off 25% of its salaried employees. 6,000 people, no more job. Goodbye. Go find something to do. They've been in the auto industry all their lives. All right? Um, many of them, they're very specific to that industry. Where are they going to go get a job? Ford and GM aren't hiring. 
Well, maybe with this new stimulus package they can go get jobs building infrastructure. Who knows? A lot of them are engineer-type people. Maybe they can go out and start engineering some roads instead of some of these crap vehicles that, that America's been putting out for so many years and letting us fall behind in that race. Who knows? But that's happening all over the place. Uh, I have a little Starbucks that I like to stop by. I don't do it. I, I used to have like $8 a day coffee habit. Now I have about a $2 a week coffee habit. About once a week, I stop by Starbucks and treat myself to uh, Starbucks coffee. And uh, I went to do that the other day. Closed. Brand new Starbucks just opened right next to a huge office park. Doesn't seem any way that they could be closed. Closed. Out of business. Not profitable enough. Part of widespread closures. Another Starbucks right on the corner uh, down the road from my house is now closed as well. So Starbucks has just closed another round of stores. Didn't even make the paper, I don't think. All right. So people are losing their jobs from highly paid salary employees for companies like Chrysler down to hourly employees and people with second jobs at places like Starbucks. That's going on right now. So it's going to be a fight between how much money and false economy are going to be created in the next year or two years and how much reality is going to suppress it from above. And one side or the other wins. This won't be a draw. We're not going to stay the way we are. That's not possible. We stay the way we are, and then reality takes over and we go down. All right. The only way to, to, to stop the descent at this point is to create what's perceived as a boom. And uh, that's, what the, uh, that's what the Obama presidency is going to be marketed as doing. So if that takes over, let me tell you how to prepare for that. When the spike happens, if you had money sitting in this market, and it gets way up there, when you start to see them bring interest rates up, they start stepping interest rates up, 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 up. Take your profit, get out, and be safe. And again, I'm not a financial advisor. That does not apply to everybody listening. You have to use your own common sense. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. The little bit that I have left in the market, if I see a big recovery come, I'm taking my money out, and I'm looking to individual people or individual stocks, uh, and I'm going to be a lot more particular with my investments and a lot safer with my investments going forward. And my advice to you is don't be fooled. And that really applies to any market. When you see a market at an all-time high, you really have to think, do I want to stay in now? Do I want to buy in now? When things are expensive, it's not the time to buy. You're buying high and selling low. All right, so think about that with your market timing, with your investments. Um, the next prediction that I think Kilo has is the fairness doctrine will be passed. Um, I hate to say it, it's a real op- it's a real opportunity to get that thing in now. What that basically says is, let's say that there's a radio station here in Texas, like 570 KLIF that I listen to on occasion, and most of the shows on there are really from a conservative viewpoint. At least somebody from the left would see it as conservative. What they're saying is if you broadcast 24 hours a day, then, and you're politically uh, type of station, that uh, 12 hours of your broadcasting needs to be for the liberal and 12 for the conservative. We can't have one-sided bias in the media. And if you look at the nightly news, you go, what the hell, that's all left. But, again, it's perception from where you are. This would really hurt talk show hosts across the country. And if if you notice, there's not many successful liberal talk show hosts. That's because it just doesn't lend itself well to that environment. There's people that listen to NPR and Randy Rhodes and and all these other people. Uh, But generally speaking, talk radio has been very successful in the conservative space, especially conservative economic space, and very unsuccessful in the liberal space. 
I'm not going to say why or why or why it is or why it isn't true, or why why it is that way. It just is. That's just how it works. All right. So. With that being the case, there are people in Congress, especially when the immigration bill was killed, that's when this thing really started to rear its ugly head. Because all the talk show hosts went out and told people what was in that bill. People got pissed off. They called their congressman and they shut the damn thing down. And then we tried to do it again with the bailout, but the Congress did it anyway because the Congress was threatened with martial law by the Bush presidency if they didn't do it. Right? That's why your will wasn't hurt. All right? And this is a thorn in the side of government. This, this, this conservative radio stuff. All right? So the Fairness Doctrine would take that away and really kill off talk radio success because people don't want to listen to the other side. They really do not. Not in that medium. People that are left-leaning in their politics have chosen things like YouTube and the blog sphere and things like that for their messaging, where they want to receive it from. They don't listen to talk radio. Just don't. And that's why NPR has to be constantly propped up with public funding, because they can't sell advertising. And that's the problem with this thing. It would kill talk radio, because their ratings will drop through the floor, advertisers will give them less money, and they won't be able to stay in business, because radio is not as profitable as people think it is. Most of the big radio conglomerates barely make enough money to stay in business from an operations standpoint. Right, so you'll destroy that industry. It could happen. Um, in fact, it, I, I think that it definitely uh, has a high probability. I'm not sure that it'll get through, though, because a lot of people are going to stand up against it, and it may be easier to do other things right now than try to get that passed. Um, the next one is that taxes will go up for those making 250k, and eventually everybody, because the government won't have enough money. Completely agree. By the time the Barack Obama presidency is over, the majority of Americans will have seen increases in their taxes. Those that don't see it in income tax will see it in Social Security taxes. Those that don't see it in Social Security, well, you're going to see, you know, and those that don't see it in Social Security or income taxes, you're going to see it in other taxes, hidden taxes, uh, that, that won't be talked about. You may actually see an increase in the, the Social Security tax rate, which will be a double increase because your employer is going to pay it too. Uh, but everybody will see a tax increase by the end of a Barack Obama presidency. I'll go down on record with that one. And at the end, if it's not true, come show me. And the only people that may not see a tax increase will be the people that already don't pay taxes. All right, The people that are already getting money for nothing, they won't see a tax increase. But everybody that actually pays a stake in the income tax uh, you're, and the Social Security tax, you're going to see an increase in the next four years. Uh, I'll go on record with that right now. Unemployment will hit double digits. Well, that's kind of tied to the, uh, the deep recession, depression uh, prediction. Uh, if reality wins and we don't get the false bubble, yeah, we're going to get double-digit unemployment. We may briefly get it anyway. And then uh, if uh, the bubble hits, uh, it'll be a great story. Uh, but I don't see it happening because I actually see the bubble is more likely right now that we're going to have um, a false recovery. Violent crime rates will rise. I, I think that is... Uh I think that's really going to be based on whether or not we have the recession. If we have the recession, which again, I think we will. I just don't think we'll have it as soon as people think now. I think we're going to see this big bubble of money pumped in. We're going to see its effects. Everybody's going to talk about how it worked. And then when the bottom falls out the next time, it's going to be a disaster beyond words. Because all we're doing is pushing the balloon higher when we know that the, uh, the, the fuel tank is almost out of, out of gas. And then when we fall, we're going to have further to fall. 
But yeah, if, I mean, obviously, if you have uh, a recession, you see a raise in violent crime rates. Now, if we get more restrictive legislation on gun control from a Barack Obama presidency, then you will see violent crime rates rise. People don't get this. When you take away guns from law-abiding citizens, you embolden the people that don't obey the law. That's how it works. Whenever you, If you want to look at crime and violent crime, look at Chicago. Chicago, with the most restrictive gun laws in the United States of America, their crime rate is insane. Right? And I say, it's somebody else's fault. If everybody else would, would have the same kind of gun, we don't want the gun legislation you do up there. All right? Mayor Daley, you can shove that legislation up your ass. The state of Texas won't accept it. We're not going to do it unless the federal government steps in and tries to make us. And that's my concern for violent crime rates and gun control as a whole. Barack Obama is on record as saying he doesn't believe that anybody, anybody other than law enforcement and retired law enforcement should be able to carry concealed weapons. Even with a permit, even with training, all concealed carry legislation should be repealed. That is something that they may really take a run at. A federal law requiring states to not allow concealed carry. Um, it would be really hard, especially with the recent uh, Supreme Court decision to get done. Uh, and, and you may see states turn around and say, fine, we'll do Arizona's thing, open carry. Uh, I don't really see that happening either, though. There would be tremendous resistance to that. So if, if that kind of legislation goes through, folks, you'll see violent crime rates skyrocket. Uh, we've seen our violent crime rates in Texas with the passage of concealed carry years ago under the Bush governorship, which was a great governorship. I want to know where that guy that was our governor went when he became president. Um, crime rates went down. Then we passed the, the, the uh, Castle Doctrine. It basically says, you break in my house and I shoot you, no problem. Don't break in my house. Crime rates have gone down again. We've seen crime rates driven down in this state with relaxed restriction on law-abiding gun owners. So, conversely, you start take, putting restrictions on those of us who choose to defend our home with the Second Amendment of our Constitution, and you'll see crime rates rise, because it's safer to be a burglar. Uh, so those things are all, all highly intertwined, whether that happens. And the last prediction will still be in Iraq two years from now. I think that one's accurate. I don't think it's as ac- accurate in the way that it was, uh, it was uh, maybe stated, and let me explain that. The, uh, the United States military is coming out of Iraq, period, end of story, uh, over the next couple of years in large numbers. We are withdrawing troops right now. We are going con- to continue to draw, withdraw troops uh, from Iraq. The question is then, what do we do with them? And the plans of both the candidates, and more Obama than McCain, is to send them to Afghanistan. What we're going to see, and, and this is what you have to realize, as soon as the Democrats are in power, then the media is on their side, and they can bomb to their heart's content without a lot of criticism from NBC, CBS, MSNBC, ABC, etc. All right? So Democrats have traditionally been able to escalate wars. You know, Johnson uh, escalated the Vietnam War unabated. Uh, for a long time, it took a Republican to end that war. And uh, it took a, a populist movement to end that war. Uh, and it was, it was huge. And it took years and years under Democratic leadership for that war to come to an end. All right? Um, and, and, and they were just given a lot of a pass. And a lot more men were dying than are dying today. 
And that's just been history. And if you look at the Great Wars, you look at World War II. That was led, powered, and run by Democrats. So it's not like the Democrats are the doves in the whole situation. It, it's how they, they run a war. They usually run it more violently uh, because they're given carte blanche to do so. And that's what you'll see happen in Afghanistan with, with Barack. So you'll see a lot of redeployment to Afghanistan. I do think there will be some U.S. presence in Iraq in two years. And everybody will ignore it because it will be very small and everybody will be focused on Afghanistan. And that's the real war and the war we should have been fighting all along. And a lot of the right-wing people will come over to uh, Barack's camp on that. You can't be a patriot unless you're for war. Uh, I think the Afghan war will turn into a disaster for the United States. I think that if you, you know, people kept saying, Iraq will be a Vietnam, Iraq will be a Vietnam. Iraq's not Vietnam. The desert there, alright? There's not a lot of safe havens to run to. There's not a Cambodia and a Laos to run into. Alright? If you look at Afghanistan, there's a Pakistan to run to. It's supposed to be our ally that's sheltering our enemy. Sound familiar? Uh, so my prediction is, yeah, we'll still be in Iraq in two years on a much scaled down presence. Uh, Barack will not make good on his, his, his plan to have all of our forces out in 18 months because it can't work with the situation the way that it is right now. We will probably be in Iraq on some level with some military presence 10 years from now, no matter who's president, uh, because the president really doesn't make that decision as much as people think they do. The military-industrial complex does. And if I sound like i got a full hat on, I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. Uh, so we'll be there with some presence. And I predict that over the next four years that the Afghanistan war turns into a disaster. And if you doubt that, phone up a few guys that served in the Soviet military and ask them what kind of a hellhole that can be turned into with the wrong type of operations there. Uh, so those are my predictions. I'm sorry they're not more optimistic. And uh, I'm sorry that some of them are if this, that, then if that, the other. That's the reality. Uh, so hopefully this has been interesting for you. It's been kind of a cool show to do. It's been something different. Tomorrow I'm actually going to finish up the week with more on winter gardening and uh, things you can do there. So we're going to make a 180 degree turn and go back to pure survivalist uh, mentality stuff on Friday. And uh, hopefully this show's been interesting for you and hopefully it's uh, helped you think about what you may have to prepare for because that's what it's really all about. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter Get spent